Thank you for joining us on episode 20 of the SAP UK podcast. My name is Jasmine Landucci. I'm an intern and as the new cohort of interns join us in July 2022, fellow intern Kira Sherlock will be sharing some tips and tricks on how to make the most of your internship. Thank you for joining us on this How to Make the Most of Your Internship podcast. I have with me Kira, who is another intern. I'm a commun- internal communications associate. And Kira, introduce I'm a yourself. Technical support engineer, which internally is known as an expense consultant for SAP Concur. Nice, thank you. Um, so let's start from the beginning. How did you find the application process and where did you start? Some universities don't give valuable help in finding placements I found that at my uni but how did you find the process? So for context I go to the University of Bath and their placement team is very very hands-on and I think that's because they've got a very reputable placement program and that's partly why so we've got a dedicated placement team so from first year from like I'd say October November they start preparing you so you start looking at CVs, cover letters, they start training you on kind of those skills and then they also kind of promote things that you could add to your CV. You also do mock interviews at the, well you have to submit your CV like twice in first year and that's even before you start looking for placements. So then second year comes and you start um, doing mock interviews. So I had my mock interview with Vodafone, some people had it with Unilever. So you got, and most of the time they did actually use the same interview process as what you would use in the actual placement application process. Mm -hmm. So that was really great. Um, and you actually got to practice giving your CV letter and your cover letter over. Um, in terms of that, I think it was invaluable to have that practice and to get started as early as first year, because that left you time to do opportunities to add to your CV before you then start applying and realising that, oh, that online course could have been useful. Or I should have probably applied to this to make it look better, for, for example. And then they offered one-on-ones, which I think was the most valuable part of their support because um, after, like before, during and after every application, I was quite on it in terms of preparing for it. I was like, okay, do you know much about this company? Have you had students gone to this company before? Any advice? Um, for SAP, for example, they knew a bar student who previously worked as an intern at SAP, so they put me in contact with him so I could talk with him and prep. Um, and then just generally like tailoring your CV and how you're going to write in the application um, it's important to do that for every single employer because you never know if that's going to be the opportunity of a lifetime and you want to get it right the first time because a lot of these companies are huge so you don't want to lose your chance of that spot Um, I also had my careers team so um, the careers team provided a bit less bias advice because my placement team were subject specific so they were great for the industry but you never know who's going to be reading your CV. It might be someone who's worked in HR but never done a business background or someone in tech for my product, for example. So it's important that the CV caters to everyone's eyes, not just kind of the industry that you're going into. Um, and that just kind of built a well-rounded CV in that sense. Um, and then LinkedIn. Um, I use LinkedIn quite a lot, as you probably know. And I, I call it a LinkedIn stalker. I would look on kind of LinkedIn to see if people from Bath had been to that company before look at their profiles to see their personality and kind of the stuff they'd done previously to kind of get an idea of what they would look for in a typical candidate um before um during like for the interviews for example um you can actually see the person that's interviewing you in the invite which sounds really weird um but i actually looked for them on um 
uh, LinkedIn so that I could add them because I wanted them to look at my LinkedIn. I posted a lot of stuff that I couldn't put on my CV. And for me, I still wanted that to be read and recognised. So that, mm-hmm. that kind of drew them into my LinkedIn. Yeah. And it did actually result in them actually asking me about stuff that I posted on LinkedIn in the interview. Um, so all of those kind of three things really helped me prep for the application process um and made a massive difference in making me feel more prepared um I think I only got rejected from one assessment center and then the next one was SAP and I got it so I think doing feedback constantly kind of helps nip it in the bud if you have made a mistake for example yeah nice thank you what about the hiring process so it's very different to just being just applying because you're face to face with everyone you're meeting new people the assessment center is crazy because there's so many people in it how did you cope with that and what skills did you use for it so it's brutal um mm-hmm. to say the least in second year you're so busy as it is with kind of leveling up with your education and also doing this at the same time and you're trying yeah. to manage your extracurriculars as well that you've picked up um and I think the main thing is to keep kind of try and find a way to stay motivated to kind of remind yourself why you came to uni and why you're doing the placement year in the first place. I think the value of it isn't like crazy. And I think that keep reminding yourself that and it will keep you going like by the end of this, this will be worth it. Even if it isn't, that will help you get through it. And then you can realise that later. Um, the main thing is the placement year will either tell you what you do you want to do or what you don't want to do and that's an yeah. important decision that you want to make before you graduate um I think for me it was kind of focusing on kind of my career goals as well um I was surrounded by a lot of my friends who all of my friends were going on placement years so it wasn't like I was the only one alone going through the applications it was all of us were dealing with the same struggle yeah as you know our year group was the one of the years that a lot of companies shut down their placement programs so we had a lot more competition for the same placement so you were going up a lot a lot more and a lot more rejections were happening yeah so that was quite rough and I think um going to my careers team and asking them for support to process that was quite useful because although you might have been rejected and other stuff you don't know how to process it at that age or that kind of level so it's nice to kind of talk that through with someone like okay there was a justified reason why I got rejected. It wasn't just because they were being mean. Yeah. Um, some companies, are, I wouldn't say worse than others. Um, some are more harsh. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think the companies that use the psychometric tests, the software games and stuff. Personally, I realised I was dyslexic halfway through the application processes for half of them. Um, and they aren't designed for one, neurodiverse people and two, for anyone really. I don't personally feel like they add any value to their decision of whether you can do the job or not um because it's although some values of it could be useful and it is a way to filter through loads of applications I don't think that recognizes the work you've put in in previous jobs the like kind of soft skills are technically more important than whether you can pass a game or you can do that in a certain time frame so I found that I enjoyed the companies including SAP that didn't um SAP you could tell they looked at your CV like they were really kind of asking you questions based on that and from recruiting for my replacement I can see why the benefit of that was yeah. and they really took the time to give you the best shot to present yourself the best way um rather than just trying to expect you to be ready on the spot to kind of perform yeah um, so yeah I think being finding out dyslexic halfway through really put the hiring kind of process in a different light and seeing what companies were prepared which one and which one was more kind of caring I think mm-hmm. as well okay thank you um so 
how did you manage the shift from university life to nine to five in a corporate job? Because being at uni, I mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I'd probably wake up at like 11 o'clock every day. And if I didn't have lectures, then I probably didn't have the motivation to go to the library every day. Yeah. But I guess we, we we are in a hybrid working environment now. But I've seen that you go into the office a lot and you're often in early or you're in late. Um, how have you managed that shift? So at university, I've been working since I was 14. Um, and that has, has kind of put me at an advantage that I'm used to working and managing a lot in a short time frame. So that I think is different to what a usual student would. I would say I still struggled with having a set structure because a lot of companies will encourage you to have a healthy work-life balance whereas I at uni didn't experience that I was especially in second year it was like 9am to 8pm constant studying the only time you take a break is to revise or to do lecture notes for example and that just wasn't sustainable and that made me get quite burnt out whereas at work you're it's not encouraged to work past your time mm-hmm. everyone would be like why are you doing it because it's not a good sign as it used it's to not be. like a healthy no it's not healthy to promote, I don't think. And I don't think it says, I think if you, you the job is designed to do it in your working hours and it yeah. doesn't look good if you can't do that because they're obviously not saying being slow is a bad thing, but it means that you're not managing your time well if you yeah. can't get it done when everyone else can get it done in that time frame. So that's one thing. And I think um, you have to find what works for you. When I first started, I kind of woke up at 8am, kind of showered got ready had breakfast made sure I looked presentable and then we start like logging in at 8 30 reading my emails and then fully fully start at nine and I think that was good at the start when I was still trying to get used to kind of what my job was going to look like and the calls I needed to join whereas halfway through you find that it's like a social protocol not to book a call in anytime before 10am no one wants to be calling <laughs> before that time um you're not gonna get penalized if you are one minute after the clock or a few minutes you know you're not gonna get penalized I think that's a misconception with work some jobs you log in they know when you're logging in and they're gonna test you on it but with certain jobs it doesn't matter and I think as long as you get the job done in the time or in the day that you need to yes you can be flexible with it um I think making sure you have a lunch break is a big thing. I know some students that work through their lunch break and it's just not healthy. Um, You're not being paid for that hour to don't work during it sometimes. And I've found that I work a lot better if I use my lunch break to go out and like go for a walk or just have like different scenery because it's really draining staring at your screen all day. And then after work, you'll go on your phone or watch TV. And it's just so much better to be able to use your lunch break for something like exercise. You need your mental sanity during the hour and you have to take it. Otherwise you're gonna your work afterwards, the quality is going to be impacted whether you do it or not. Um I think also depending on your attitude to the work, like some days I will be more motivated than others and some days I won't. And I think going to the office has helped when the days I don't feel like being productive because you're in a different environment and yeah. that puts you in that mindset. Whereas at home, it was quite difficult to kind of do that because you're literally about a metre away from your bed. And yeah. it's very easy just to kind of be relaxed and stuff. So I think I found it relatively easy, but I still struggled with kind of forcing myself to work in that time frame and also the guilt of not working more than you should I think yeah. that's a big thing people think of I know in finance for example 
it's not encouraged, but it's expected to work the overtime, even if you're contracted till a certain time. And I think that across the industry isn't healthy and that shouldn't be promoted. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was good, but you do learn some things along the way. Yeah, definitely. So going back to just like adapting to professionalism from being at uni where it's so laid back, how have you managed hybrid working? So like you said, it's hard being like a couple of metres away from your bed and trying to find the motivation to be on your laptop all day. Um, I imagine the new cohort of interns will experience a much more in-person approach like for the next two weeks we're in for the whole two weeks of their training. Um, So talk us through your coping mechanisms for working from home or working from the office. So our year group was quite unique in the fact that our first years got cut short by COVID and then we had a whole year and a half worth of somewhat hybrid learning. And I think that did prepare us a bit more than the year before us to be hybrid because we already knew that it was a different environment. We kind of adjusted a bit quicker to that and it was kind of an expectation. Um, It was slightly disheartening when we did realise that we wouldn't be in person at least till August, September time. But it was easy enough to kind of just get focused because you couldn't change the situation. So you just found a way to adapt. I think utilising your calendar to like to remind yourself when to do things, even if it's the simplest task, just put it in because otherwise you will forget. Um, I think also reaching out to people. So I did a lot of virtual networking, which we'll talk about, um, which helped me kind of feel still part of the team and that kind of atmosphere that you would get in an office. So you weren't completely disconnected. Um, And I think kind of reminding yourself that you're needing to be on there um, and just kind of you get the work done and then you don't have to be on there anymore. Like that kind of motivation um, just to kind of get you through not wanting to look at your screen. Um, I think having 30 minute calls with people of my team helped or like quickly asking them for a question um, and just having a chit chat with them if I needed to Um, and then kind of leaving time like planning or like going to the doctors or stuff like that around that there was a lot of benefits to hybrid working and I think if you find the muse that works with you in terms of okay if I start earlier I can leave and go to see my friends afterwards or okay, I need to take a break out to go to the doctors. How am I going to work this around my schedule? So Mm -hmm. just kind of finding a balance will make your life a lot more like harmonious um, and make it a lot less stressful to figure out how and what you're doing at any time. I would like to add to that. And that SAP I found are really good in keeping everybody connected throughout COVID. So when COVID first started, my predecessor started Pulse newsletter that basically they just wanted everybody to know about what was going on and nobody to feel disconnected from their work community because they're so far away from each other and you're not going to get as it's going to be a bit draining receiving emails every single day saying we have this update we have this update um and then also the monthly update calls um that are designed for you to ask Mikhail and other SLT members any questions that you have that you wouldn't be able to in an email because they don't have the time to reply to everybody. Um, So in that sense, I don't think anybody has anything to worry about working either from home or in the office at SAP because all grounds are covered. Yeah, Yeah. it works. And I think that's what, and you can see everyone is a lot happier and much healthier 
like they're more productive because they have that balance yeah definitely so what advice can you give us on professional development so something that I think I was quite quick and I discussed with my manager even in the interview stage was of like a professional development plan or what you'd call like a career plan Mm -hmm. um what's important to note is that I still didn't know like okay I want to be a vet for example that wasn't it wasn't like a set career path um I said in my interview that I wanted to kind of explore um, business to business marketing just because I thought it was interesting and it'd be interesting to know what the customer sees before they get to me, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to kind of explore different business functions alongside my role and also get some more technical knowledge because I was in quite a technical role, but not from a technical background. Um, and that I knew I wanted to be a manager someday or I want to be in leadership. That was kind of the core of any, anything and everything I do is preparing myself to do that someday so that helped my manager then okay I know this person who'd be good to speak so I know this activity or this course that you might want to sign up to yeah and doing that from the get-go means that your manager can send across stuff when it comes and so from like that first month to second month you're already contributing to that plan and you're already developing yourself even though you've only been in the company for a few weeks and I had a networking plan, um, so I wrote, I wrote, I kind of spoke to people and I was writing down every person someone recommended to speak to, and then I would kind of send a blanket email to each person with like a template, like, oh, this is who I am, this is why I want to speak to you, and I would say specific stuff, so I'd look, before I sent the email, I'd look on their LinkedIn, um, again, stalkerish, but so they'd get the notification, yeah. and then just, I'd do that just before I'm about to send the email, so that they are okay, oh, this person's an actual person, it's just not a random email. Um, and I'd say stuff specific about them to make them feel like they were valued and it's not just like a basic conversation, like yeah. I was trying to get something out of them. Um, and my main topic of conversation was learning about how they came to the role they are in today. Mm-hmm. I think knowing someone's history and how they got there is more important than where they are currently. Yeah. Um, so that there's a lot to learn in that kind of process because we are so early on in our careers. Um, and that helped me build my own ideas of what I might want to do in the route I might want to take. Um, and I think also just kind of be flexible and keep structured. Um, the time will go by so quickly and a lot of opportunities will fly by. And if you're not quick to think like, oh, that actually might be quite useful, you won't get them. Um, the Spark team, for example, I don't want to do an event management. That's not something that was in the plan yeah. for me. But there was a lot of skills and a lot of opportunities I saw in it that I jumped to it. And then that's made a huge difference to the rest of my placement year that even if you don't, you're not quite sure, just say yes anyway um, and make it work because it will have some value, whether it's direct. Yeah, it's always going to be good for you to have something random in your pocket that could be valuable somewhere. Um, So you've touched on quite a few points about your plans and goals there, but can you extend on that and why did you choose those specific goals yeah um so the leadership part is I whenever from a young age and kind of being in sports teams I was always kind of a captain role um in group work for coursework at uni I always naturally felt comfortable in the leadership position and kind of keeping everyone on track yeah um, I just genuinely enjoy leading others and helping others, which sounds um, quite generic, but that's where I feel like I thrive the most is helping others and keeping everyone together and we all then have a good result. Yeah. I'm not number oriented, which is why I don't like sales. I'd like to 
I think there's a different kind of metric for value in terms of what people get out of it or, for example, customer, for example. Um, and yeah, I just felt naturally like that suited me. So that was kind of my plan. Now, to be a manager, that can be in any role. So I was quite clear of like, I can't signal myself to like, I want to replace my manager, for example, because that might not be the job role that I want to do every day. So although I want to be in leadership, I want to enjoy my day to day. So yeah. I need to find that out first before I even become a leader. Um, I'm quite a person who's like, I don't want to become a leader if I'm not good at the job that I'm asking people to do. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to lead by example. So yeah. I need to be good at what I'm doing before I then ask others to do it themselves. Yeah. Um, I knew that I needed to kind of get, I've got some examples, but I knew that I wanted to get some more. So things like the sparkle team or uh, different opportunities that came up, that was kind of, and courses were quite a big thing for that. Um, technical knowledge. So like I said, I study management. So somehow managed quite a technical role. I had to do a configuration exam, um, which was like a week of training and a two-day exam, which is completely new to me. Um, and I knew that I kind of felt out of depth because SAP is a huge technical company mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about SQL databases, um, cloud, for example. I didn't know enough that I felt confident when I was on calls to kind of know what I'm on about or know the industry well enough so that was something I wanted to work on and I did see myself going into a career in tech so I think that was where that came from I didn't see myself before applications going into tech but very early on when I realized kind of how good tech is and how fun it is that's when I kind of was like okay I actually want to get more technical knowledge um and then figuring out what career paths so um this was very basic from the start because I didn't know what career roles were available, but then that's kind of um, developed as I've kind of settled in, which I'll speak about. But I knew regardless what job role, I wanted it to be customer facing. Um, I enjoy working with customers, regardless if they're a Karen or they're a City Heart. I've always enjoyed it. I always feel natural in it. Um, and again, I like to help people. So I knew whatever role I do, whatever function it is, that's what was my main requirement. Um, and that's when I started to filter through a lot of the job roles that my team members are doing, or I asked around like, okay, like what roles would you progress to after this role? And where have team members gone to start kind of figure out what was natural in the department and then also yeah. what was natural across the company. Nice, thank you. Did those goals differ once you settled in? Yeah, I think the technical knowledge expanded hugely because I started to get more of a taste for tech and I started yeah. to enjoy the challenge of it. So I did like a eight-week eight intensive course with um, a company that University of Bath work with to about data, databases and SQL. That's something I never would have done before this placement, mm-hmm. but I did want to do it for my own like kind of benefit and to put that on my CV and show that I'm actually quite interested in the tech side of tech, not just generally like yeah. cloud. Yeah, <laughs> that's the main thing. And then I think um, I I enjoy consulting and I think that's something that I wasn't always applying to when I first started my applications. But yeah. there's a lot of different ways to be a consultant. There's loads of different functions and areas to be a consultant in. But I think about five months in, I realised I wanted to be a pre-sales solution consultant. Um, Very similar to what I do, but it's from the start of the customer's process with us and their journey, whereas I predominantly work post-implementation, so once they've already gone live. I wanted to kind of go back to the start of their journey so that I could learn from that and then work in my career, work 
my way through the whole process so that yeah. one day when I'm in leadership I would know every step the customer's gone through to get to where they are now yeah um and that really helped me become more specific and then I filtered that down to speaking to every product that I was interested in to the department's pre-sales yeah filtering that down to like what part of the products I was interested in and the core kind of responsibilities um and that's put me in a lot better place for graduate applications okay thank you and You've already mentioned that you're very big on LinkedIn stalking, <laughs> not, not stalking. Yeah. Um, so how have you found virtual networking? You said that you booked in half an hour time to lots of people and you had a plan, but has that been difficult? Has it been draining? It's terrifying because, you again, people hate email, so they don't want to be messaged in an email, but that's the only way you can really do it. Yeah. You can message people on LinkedIn, but for internal people, I would always say email is the best way. You can still add them on LinkedIn, but don't message them because yeah. they might it might just get lost or they might not actually know that you work at SAP. There's also that security aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I found virtual networking relatively easy just because I did a lot of virtual work at uni before I came and I did a lot of mentoring with students online. So I was already used to that format of speaking. But I think reaching out to someone you don't know and they don't know you is you don't have the luxury of someone in the office being like, oh, this is like my team member, Kira, let me introduce you. And that was the traditional way of networking in the office back before COVID, whereas you some people might be able to do that email for you, but you do have to do a lot of it yourself. And you have one chance to make a good impression. So the way you write and the way you kind of approach that is really important. Um, But then apart from that, I think generally be prepared on the call don't just kind of expect the person and you to be able to make conversation you need to lead that conversation if you're expecting them to volunteer their time yeah um and that's why i said like researching their profile as much as it might be stalking um i was able to go to leadership members like oh i saw 10 years ago you worked at this company tell me a bit about kind of where you came from and that stuff i think it made it a lot more personal and those people really enjoyed that time because people like speaking about themselves normally yeah. and they feel and like the relationships after that when I needed help and when their kind of opportunities came it was a lot easier because they already had a connection with me um, and it was a lot easier to reach out afterwards um, I know for some teams and some it's just not natural um, some people prefer in person they just don't work well virtually so if you are like that, it's important to obviously if now COVID rules are open, maybe suggest say, Oh, I'm in the office on this state of yeah. you um at the get-go so that, that you can be clear if you do want to meet in person first. But nowadays naturally it will be virtual. So you just have to I think practice, put yourself out there a bit, but also prepare yourself because in person you can bounce off someone, whereas virtually it's silence, so you do have to yeah. make that up. And also I find that Work, when I'm working from home I don't have the motivation to be on a call with someone like your social battery dries up really yeah quickly. very quickly and you're also working from home you don't really have the motivation to get up in the morning put a nice outfit on do your makeup it's so hard I found it very difficult to liven myself up to talk to someone yeah um, so imagine how the people that you're asking to have a call with you they don't want to do it either. exactly so how are you working around that and like showing them that it is worth their time I think the initial email you can't get around the way someone's going to perceive I think making it personal is the biggest thing of someone being like okay this person actually cares a bit more than hi I'm new can I have a conversation with you um yeah 
taking the time to look in their calendar beforehand to be to, to suggest times I think that saves them a lot of time and effort having to be like oh my god I have to schedule it now um and it's that kind of thing making it as mostly convenient as possible to take that side of things out of their hands and then they have no reason not to yeah um and also be don't feel um kind of hurt if someone says no or if they don't have the time now that's something that me and my manager kind of at the start were quite clear on is if she says no to something or if someone says no don't take that to heart and I think to say it like it is value and SAP reinstates that in terms of it might be no for now but that doesn't mean no forever um so again keep them in your radar and then re-approach that at a different time um and there's also um there's a right time and right place for every every conversation and every introduction so you don't you're not going to speak to the managing director when you first join yeah you know, personally you're not going to do that it wasn't until a few months in when I actually had the chance to and I knew a lot more about the company and my position in the company to be able to in, do that conversation so yeah. I think don't automatically kind of be on accelerating like you have to wait until you're in that position that Obviously, leadership is very approachable at SAP. I could speak to anyone now and feel comfortable, feel valued and just as important as they are. Yeah. But at the same time, they might not know what level of knowledge or kind of you might not know what you want from that conversation. So it's Mm -hmm. important to kind of figure that out for yourself first before asking someone else to help you figure that out for you. Yeah. Yeah. But also, yeah, it's really hard virtually. But if you are making the effort to be here in person, then you will have quite a good relationship with McKeel. He said in the exec talk with the new cohort this morning, he said, hierarchy to me is flat. Like, he, if he's walking down the corridor and you have a question for him, don't hesitate to stop him and ask. Exactly. I mean, if he's on a call, then obviously <laughs> not. But I find one of the biggest things that I've loved about being an intern at SAP is that I don't feel like I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Mm. I can speak to the COO or McKeel if they're walking around the office and I don't feel like I'm bugging them they care about the intern cohort because we are valuable to the work that contributes to the wider picture yeah um so yeah come into the office (laughs) I think self-confidence is a plays a big part with virtual networking because like you said you are valuable and I think you have to revalidate that to yourself that Mm you are just as important as they are, even if your job role and your salary isn't the same. Yeah. Um, and if they don't want to have a conversation with you, then they don't align with the values of SAP and they don't... Yeah. Did, not that they don't deserve you, but they don't deserve to have the benefit of speaking to you and the opportunities that you can help them with because it's as much of a professional development opportunity for them as it is for you. So it, is a, it needs to be a two-way relationship. And if they don't think... If that's if they're not willing to kind of take that chance, then there's better people to speak to. And I think mm-hmm. that's the main thing is most people at SAP, I've never met someone who is like that. But if they don't want to take the time and kind of give that time up for you, then they might not be if they don't see the value in yourself, then it might not be worth your time. Yeah, 100 percent. So let's talk about what SAP has to offer. So. What have you experienced opportunity-wise as an intern? I know that throughout our year here, I've seen so many emails, so many messages in the WhatsApp group, but I can't keep up. <laughs> so how did you um, like identify which ones were valuable for you, um, worth getting involved in, um, and something that you'd be interested in? 
So from the get-go, we were offered a 70-30 option, which basically means you could do 30% of your time in a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very loose. It doesn't have to be something traditional in terms of you completely change team and you're cut off from the other team. Um, this can be like a shadowing opportunity or something like that. So it doesn't need to be... Some people have done it like cut off, um, which is more natural for them, and yeah. some others haven't. Um, but then you also have a lot of time. So there's placement program ambassadors. So you've got the social ones, for example, who organise socials for us. You've got employee network group roles. So diversity and inclusion, mind and body. Um, they work with kind of those groups um, that are kind of internal facing. Um, you've got volunteering. So I did a lot of volunteering with Anactus, the Maps and Apps for Good. Um, they were the three ones that. I do a lot of widening participation work in my own time and activism. Mm-hmm. I represent a charity called One Your Mild, and those charities aligned with kind of what I, not I value, but what my interests were in and what I thought I wanted to put my time into. Um, and all of them were surrounding kind of helping with um, promoting women in STEM, for example, um, disadvantaged students getting into higher education or into STEM careers. Um, and that was kind of my main priority of volunteering is to do that kind of side of volunteering for that um in terms of kind of learning development there are so many courses you can take if you really enjoy learning um you've got linkedin you've got open sap there's just so many and i did a lot of them i think i did about very 15 or so um some were like kind of workshops you had someone on the phone and yeah. it was like a part of coaching one this quite personal experience some are ones that you could just flick through in your own time and get like a badge on linkedin for example yeah i think the kind of the skills that you put in your cv so like leadership communication um time management write down a list of which ones you want to work on and then start searching for stuff because you can just type it in and something will come up and then again look at the value of that how much time is it going to take is that actually going to be record i put that on my cv or my linkedin afterwards um is this going to be a good use of my time and then that's when to spend that time on courses um you've got like placement program a little bit so like the employability workshops they're doing um we did the presentation activity which was really fun and our group presented on pipeline management and that was a topic we'd never known before um and then obviously Simon Geddes he was like I think you guys should record it afterwards and he'll use it for future use and I think that's like very niche opportunities that you wouldn't very niche they're not, yeah. that isn't on paper what that was for but that's what it turned out to be so that's where you have to bring your best self to every activity or event because yeah. you never know what's going to come from that little bit yeah um a lot of cross-functional roles so I worked with the pre-sales and kind of creative team with the UKI hackathon for this year mm-hmm. um they asked us the, about the day or so before um and it was a 48-hour hackathon and it was so fun it's so interesting because we got to speak hands-on with partners so I got to actually make some connections with some actual partners and mm-hmm. they now comment on my LinkedIn post and congratulate me when I do things and vice versa um, and it was just interesting to see that side of the business because that's not something although I'm customer facing I don't work with partners really I work with the actual customer from the product yeah. so that was a really interesting side to see that again I wouldn't normally do that as my core role or what I'm looking to do but it was a kind of the exposure and commercial awareness that you do need and that was a different opportunity mm-hmm. um doing this kind of thing with other interns there's a lot of side projects that interns take on during their placement year that you can get involved in i think even if it's not your idea don't it's not something to you don't need to be selfish in that sense i think that's a big thing because 
you're I'm going to get something out of this as much as you are um and I think that says a lot about you if you're willing to work with other people because all of you are going to get something out of that whoever's going to get the most recognition it doesn't matter yeah I think a lot of people in, in SAP they don't have that mindset of it needs to be mine I'm not going to get recognition you do it because there is a benefit even if it's not visible um the main kind of core ones that I did was also the Sparkle team. So um, one, the leader, leaders in the Maiden Head office came to us with a proposition to do an employee engagement project where we were trying to encourage people to get back in the office or just generally to build more of a community feel um, because people have been so disconnected for that two years. And uh, it just kind of exploded. Um, we did not think it would be where it is now when we first started it was kind of a very pilot kind of style thing um and the uh, manager harry who manages me on that project he has given me the creative like like freedom to do whatever and whatever i think is possible and right to do and i've been able to host so many different events and i now know pretty much everyone in the office and they know me and i think from a networking standpoint and a personal brand standpoint that's really set me up because people will know of me even if it's not for my core role they're like oh that Kira girl she does all the office stuff and she's like they constantly email them so they know me in one shape or form um I got to host events with McKeel for example where I was interviewing live broadcasters of the entire company which is crazy um and just generally having that kind of organization opportunity project management leadership all of that was very interesting and I was entrusted with quite a large budget, which is crazy for someone who's only an intern. Yeah. Um, to be trusted with making those budget decisions, that would kind of be the benefit. For, it's not just about you and what you would enjoy in the office. It's about what would others enjoy. Yeah. Um, and that was very kind of a great responsibility that I've really enjoyed. Um, and now we're helping and we're kind of consulting with the employee network groups, with um, the employee engagement managers further up about how we think they should implement that across the country so a lot of offices are struggling and I think it's nice that what what we did in the Sparkle team and what we organised will now be used as like a template for future years to come now with this pandemic so that's something that you can't really put a value on you couldn't foresee but that's why saying yes even if you don't know if it's going to be good or not is good um I think also when you're choosing what opportunities to do, sometimes your manager will say no because you're not going to have the time to. So mm-hmm. I did want to do the mind and body ambassador role, but she was like, you probably won't have time to do it. Maybe focus, like there will be other opportunities. And I think, again, okay, it was like well. reinstating that it's okay to say no. Yeah. It's not like you're not fit for the role. It's just the time and place. Um, sometimes I always have, she's probably going to hate me for saying this, um, say it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission sometimes because so they might not doubt you or you might kind of doubt yourself and it might not even feel feasible to do it but then I'd rather try and if it goes successful then amazing like they're going to be really impressed yeah but if it goes badly then it's fine no one's going to really know apart from yourself if it's obviously not something major in public yeah and that's just a learning curve for you um and for some opportunities that fits really well because you do need to try a few things out to see if it's going to work or not. And you never, even your manager is not going to know whether that's going to work until it's actually done. And a lot of the stuff that I've done, I've managed to pull off um, by the skin of my teeth sometimes. And I think, although I probably 
should have managed try to have a bit more of a balance um I'm glad I did it and I think it has improved my development quite a lot by kind of taking that say yes attitude um and kind of staying focused like there's going to be some volume whatever you do yeah 100% um so you've mentioned a couple of highlights there but overall what are your biggest highlights of being an intern here so I think working with customers, um, obviously working with business to business customers, these brands you, you purchase from, you use every single day. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to kind of know, like when you see not only how much they're paying for this service, but also the route, like how important it is to their business and how much they use it and how much it can impact them. Mm-hmm. It's quite, it's crazy that responsibility and it makes you feel more confident because you're like okay they actually rely on me to help them do this part of their business and the feedback from them is priceless it's not something that's normally written it's something that's normally verbally said but having that and then like oh thank you Kira for replying so quickly like I really appreciate kind of you taking the extra care um or just generally putting in that little bit of extra effort and then recognizing it it's very rewarding and it's something that you can't really put a price tag on because it's just nice to know that you have actually helped um a lot of the time some stuff can just go under the carpet like okay you did help someone you know you did but to be told that is a whole different story yeah. um I know for some customers that they require some extra support that wasn't part of my job role that I probably it would be billable sometimes or it wouldn't be an extra I don't have to do it it's not like my manager wouldn't tell me off for not doing it but it felt right to um, and that was even more valuable because, again, you're kind of more confident for, you know, you're giving the best service. Um, I think the coffee corner with Mikhail was quite a crazy opportunity because it was the first time I'd properly met him. Mm-hmm. We weren't told and we knew we were supporting the event with the Sparkle team, but we didn't know we'd be hosting it until the day before. So we had to put together um, kind of a structure for the coffee corner the day before and the presentation. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a chance to practice the presentation before the actual coffee corner and we knew it was going to be live. So that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it went so well and so natural. And I think not only does that reflect us seeing Kiel as quite an approachable person, but it was just it was quite of a highlight for me being able to do that on the spot and proving to myself that I could adapt quite quickly. Um, obviously loads of people saw that and came up to me and things like that. And I had, did get appreciate points and things like that for different events. And I think that was kind of a highlight for me. Um, <laughs> the Christmas event was a massive achievement. Um, we were the only office in the UK and Ireland from what I know that had a Christmas party or an office do um that took so much planning and no one got COVID touch with not that we know of and that's the weekend before the Omicron variant came out and I think it was such a risk in itself and but we knew it was really needed everyone wanted to come together and I think the planning that we put in place and the amount of hours we put in it was so worth it we had about 220 people come in which was half of the office which with COVID times is a miracle Mm -hmm. um and that's what really caught the attention of everyone in leadership because, like, oh, this office has actually managed to pull it off yeah. with, without COVID and everything going against them. And everyone was so happy to be there. Like they hadn't seen team members in three years. There's mm-hmm. people that had just joined the company and never met anyone. And it was just even people in their later side of their career were so grateful to have that opportunity to reconnect. And it yeah. was nice to be able to do that for them um, and also for the event to go successfully without any hiccups so yeah 
Sounds good. Um, you've touched on some challenges that you've had, but can you ident identify some key ones that might be common for any intern and how you've faced them? I think um, the social aspect, so social anxiety was quite big because of COVID mm -hmm. as it is. And I think personally for our year group, I struggled quite a bit because we didn't have a chance to really connect at the first part and yeah. that first few months is quite important for relationship building so I found it quite difficult to adapt coming kind of trying to force myself to socialize because it wasn't natural because yeah. we weren't like doing the same jobs and we didn't have the same events so it's quite difficult um and I think kind of pushing myself out of my comfort zone in the kind of second half of my placement to do different events and stuff has been quite good um, this year group will have it a lot easier, but it's still going to be a factor. Um, everyone has social anxiety, even uh, not just with the interns, but with full-time employees. I think, again, you just have to validate yourself like you are a good person, you're interesting, yeah. you can t speak to anyone. Um, I was the only intern in my department, which was kind of daunting. Yeah, daunting, quite lonely. A lot of my team were adults with family members and stuff, so I kind of felt out of place sometimes. But at the same time, my team was so supportive and so friendly. I was kind of like the little child in the mm -hmm. department. Um, and they were just lovely. And I think, again, it's kind of, I think but I'm quite mature. So I think that helped um, in terms of kind of being on the same kind of level as them. Yeah. Um, but also them taking the time to support me. Um, escalated cases with customers uh, is terrifying when you get a nice, a nice little red arrow next to a case. And you're like, oh, no especially when it's like a really big customer you're like because obviously your manager see it and you're like oh my god but I after experience I kind of realized that sometimes it's not always your fault maybe it's the time sensitivity of it sometimes they've left it to the last minute and that's completely out of your control things like that take time and you, you can't rush certain things I think you can become more confident about what you can and can't say to a customer because you'll know when you're in the right and wrong when you get further in but at the start you always think you're in the wrong so that was kind of a thing of reminding myself like you did what you were meant to do you followed like the like protocols this is just a situation you can't resolve yeah um and I think my approach to that was some somewhat better than previous in terms in terms of taking responsibility for like your actions and why it led to that um, and as long as you're confident that it wasn't something that you should have done and you didn't, then it's a lot easier to manage. But mm -hmm. knowing when to reach out for your managers for help, like you, sh you if you've done something wrong, don't be shy. Like they're not going to like say to you like, oh, my God, how like, are you stupid? You're fired. Yeah. That isn't what most managers at SAP are going to do from my experience. Mine, they had my back 100 percent. We would talk through kind of what happened, what we need to do, and they would come with me sometimes for really important customers to be yeah. like, this is the situation, this is what we're going to do. And I think that was nice to have that kind of backing. Um, and then I think the last one is um, your age differences and mm -hmm. also core role versus your ideal career path. I think that can be quite challenging because some people in the placement program realize they really don't want to do what they're doing now mm -hmm. and that's what placement years are for but what do you do if you're two months in and you've just realized that because you've now got another like 10 months worth of placement where you really don't want to be doing that every single yeah. day and you're not going to get the most out of it if you're not enjoying it and I think depending on how you approach that I think you should then bring that to your manager bring that to the placement team and be like this isn't a good fit what are my options and mm -hmm 
you do need to nip it in the bud don't just kind of let things settle yeah don't settle for something that isn't good enough for you because the placement program is very tailored they want everyone everyone's experience is different and I think reminding yourself that you can tailor it to what you want to do and what works for you is good you're not just got a set role and that's all you can do for 13 months there is some flexibility and I think it's important to come with options don't just like oh my god I applied in the legal position absolutely hate it I don't know what I want to do they can't do anything with that information you need to know yourself what you want to do before you can start asking people to help you do that um even if you don't know 100% come with some idea just so that they can then help you um, in return yeah and I think one of the main things that I got out of onboarding when we started is that if the role isn't what you hoped it could be your managers are always willing to help you personalize it and make it your own because you're only here for a year it's not going to be detrimental to the company it's they want us to enjoy our time at SAP and have a valuable experience yeah so if you ever need to ask just ask yeah they do take it to heart because they they care about what they look like what their Mm -hmm. your experience is from the external side point exactly and they want to make sure that you leave and say like oh I really enjoyed my placement here at SAP so it works in their favour as much as yeah. yours if you then fix that and then for the next intern, they're not going to have that problem. Yes, yeah, so exactly. So finally, to summarise, what advice would you give overall to the interns in making the most of their 13 months? Don't compare yourself to others. 100%. Because 100%. it's so inefficient. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not even if it's just bad for your mental health, it's so inefficient because if you just spend 13 months like, oh I saw this person doing this on LinkedIn or this person's got like this opportunity and I didn't it's just so ineffective because you're focusing so much on what others are doing you're not actually focusing on what you're doing yeah Um, so LinkedIn is quite can be quite a toxic place and I think depending on how you use it is how that will come I use it I post what I'm doing and then I switch off I sometimes look but I don't fully engage with it I don't be like oh my god this person's doing that I have to now do that because again it's what they're doing I use it for myself and obviously my personal brand but apart from that um it's to show what I'm doing and I think that's the main thing is focus on what you're doing focus on kind of your biggest competitor is yourself it's not the person next to you because when you're in a job interview you're not going to be they're not going to know what that other intern was doing in their placement year unless it's someone like Lindsay for example but even then she doesn't compare us because they know it's so tailored and I think the more you do that you then focus because in an interview you're going to be talking about what you did and how you approach that and yeah what you gain from it and that's all that's going to matter at the end of the day um and you just get a lot more done and a lot more professional development achieved by doing that approach um you need to stay structured but also be flexible um you do need some sort of plan you can't just kind of breeze your way through your placement year you can but you're not going to get a lot out of it if you do yeah um you need to be flexible also you can't be too structured like i'm going to stick in this department i'm not going to go anywhere else i need to get the best at my job before i then start looking anywhere else you need to be able to accept those extra opportunities that come about and work your time structure around that so that you can still make the most out of your time whilst also doing your job well um and lastly just remind yourself that you're good enough I think being a student it's so easy to kind of doubt yourself and I think 
even if you aren't the best at your job, no one's the best at their job. I've got people that have been working on the same product for five years and they asked me to look at something like you are good enough. You were good enough to get the job wrong in the first place. So you're definitely going to be good enough to do the job. So I think reminding yourself that and also if you're not good at something, work on it. It's, and at the end of the day, you're here to learn. Yeah, it's not. They don't like, expect yeah. you to come here with all of the knowledge in the world and be as knowledgeable as somebody that's been here for five years, you're here to learn and everybody understands that. Yeah, exactly. You're not meant to be all the expert. You you wouldn't be called an intern, you'd be called a senior yeah, if you were doing that. Exactly. So remind yourself that and even benefit from that because being an intern gives you that status to be like, oh, she's an intern, let's give us some extra training mm-hmm. because we're full-time staff. They're like, you should probably already know this sometimes. Whereas being an intern, you have that privilege to have the extra time, yeah. to have the kind of agreement with management that you can do all this extra stuff. So use that to your advantage and benefit from that because in when you get full-time, you might not have that kind of flexibility and freedom. Exactly. And I think to add on to that, it's really important to remember that everybody here, there's 60 of them, Right. Every single one of them have a completely different background. The whole point of this placement is to give people who don't usually have the opportunity to work somewhere as corporate and well-known as this, the chance to learn from it and do so. Um, so never compare yourself. You're, everybody here has their own unique, amazing, like, yeah. skill sets and I just don't think that it's fair on yourself to do that. But yeah, definitely agree with everything you said. It's your career. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Well, thank you, Kira. Um, I hope that this podcast is useful because it's going to apply to every single intern cohort that there is. And there are some things here that you can take into your graduate roles and take back to uni because I definitely feel that I'm going to have a completely different mindset when I go back in final year now that I've experienced professional life. Um, So yeah, 